Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. This is Pat Iyer with Legal Nurse Podcast. I have the pleasure of bringing to you a, a legal nurse consultant who I've known for many years, who is a nurse with experience working at Mass General Women's Brigham. Start that again. This is Pat Iyer with Legal Nurse Podcast. I have the pleasure of bringing to you Jane Shufro, who is a legal nurse consultant I've known for many years. She has experience working at Mass General Brigham and Women's Faulkner Hospital in Boston and is experienced in critical care and in cath lab, general surgery, and most recently post-anesthesia care unit work. Jane and I have spent many happy hours at AALNC conferences, and she has given me quite a bit of education about her clinical area. Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's nice to talk to you again. I know that our listeners are going to be curious about how you got started in legal nurse consulting. And first of all, how long have you been a legal nurse consultant? So I just completed 10 years. So this is my 11th year this year. Hmm. Yeah. How did you get your first case? Um, so I, I had certified in my field, which is peri-anesthesia nursing. And I had a LinkedIn site uh, for business. And I don't know what I was doing with it, but I had all of that information on there, my professional certifications. And I got a call from a woman in the law firm. She was a legal nurse consultant who worked in-house in a contingent state to me up in Maine and asked me, it was late at night. I, had, I was cleaning up after dinner. I had worked that day. I was in scrubs and called and asked me, um, I need to unpack your nurse to review a case. Can you do this? And I said to her, you know, I work in a hospital. I don't, I don't know about that. I never even knew what a legal nurse consultant was. And she said to me, well, I need somebody who's currently in the field. She had found me and that I had my certification and they were looking for somebody to review a case and, be, and actually do testify. So she sent me the records. That was 10 or 12 years ago. Those were paper records then. So the, a FedEx box got delivered to my house. I reviewed the records. Um, I thought it was easy. I called the firm. I told them what I thought. And it ended up that case uh, went on for, for, for quite a while because I had a deposition. I wrote a report. I had to do an affidavit. Uh, I know some people listening may not know what those things are yet, but um, it went to a tribunal. There were a lot of facets to that case that it was kind of a trial by fire for me, but it was a very good experience because I learned quite a bit about what happens during uh, the life of a case and especially my role in that case. 
the information I could provide. So from there, I thought that was a really good experience. Um, it was probably a couple of months later, I saw something in a magazine. I think it might have even been the NSO magazine. There was somebody local who was doing a, a weekend course. It was a long weekend. So I took that and then I joined ALNC. And I think that year, um, 11 years ago, I think the 10 was my first conference, my first national conference. But at that time we had a um, chapter and um, I Googled it and I found a, it was called the Southern New England chapter. So I joined that chapter and that's, uh, that's how I started. But I got a case right away and I thought, well, this is kind of easy, but it actually took me probably several months before I ever saw another case. It sounds like the first group found you because of your certification. Yeah, and because I was on LinkedIn, because I was there, mm -hmm. it was something for them to Google. She Googled um, perioperative nurses, probably in her area, New England states, East Coast, and um, that fit the bill. Mm. And there probably were other, certainly there were other nurses who worked clinically and also had certification, but nobody could find them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The importance of being visible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now today, 11 years later, we've got people who are continuing to come into the field. What would you recommend that a beginning nurse, legal nurse consultant do in order to start getting cases? One thing I would definitely recommend to anybody thinking about it, um, because there are a lot more uh, opportunities for legal nurse consultants beginning than there were when I started 11 years ago. So I would definitely recommend that you seek out some kind of a course. Um, it can be an online course. There's a lot of them now online. Local courses, I think, still exist. Um, there's a couple of major uh, players in the industry who offer courses, but I would say uh, research the course, look at the content of the course. Um, if you join a local chapter or if you join a local um, LNC exchange or a group like that, put that out in the chat and ask people maybe about those courses because not all courses are the same. And oftentimes, Legal nurses think, well, I'll, I'll jump off from clinical and go into legal nurse consulting because I can take a course. And so what happens is a lot of times there's a lot of disappointment. I talked to some new LNCs who say, gee, I, I took the course, but I really still don't know what to do. So I think you would have to be, be aware that you need some training take a course, seek something out, whatever you can afford, whatever is feasible for your schedule, and understand you're still going to have to add on to that. Uh, one of the things you can do, I think is a great idea, is to find another LNC mentor that you could do through your chapter or maybe through a national organization. Um, there's a couple of them there. Find somebody like-minded, uh, somebody's willing to take you on. Um, you could do some subcontracting and learn how to write and learn how to kind of how the business works. Um, some of the things you need up front 
for sure, are good writing skills, uh, grammar, computer skills. A lot of clinical nurses lack the kind of computer skills you need to, to run a small business. And um, Microsoft Office Suites, learning how to use Word, Adobe. The Adobe, I don't know what I would do without. I used for reviewing records, but I didn't get that for probably five years, five or six years. So some of the things are essential and some of the things you don't need right away. But networking, attending conferences, you definitely need to be in with like-minded people to, to get anywhere. It's really difficult to be isolated and do it like that. Um, I would suggest also, if you're setting up a business, meaning business cards, websites, those things, look into maybe getting an accountant or if you have a personal accountant for your taxes, make an appointment and talk to somebody over the phone and get a few things done, basic accounting things done up front, registering your name with your town and things like that will make it a lot easier for you once you start to get established. Those are great points, Jane. I know you've mentioned computer skills, you mentioned writing skills, having some knowledge of finance or the ability to be able to talk to an accountant about those is important. Are there any other skills that you think are necessary for success as a legal nurse consultant? Yeah, skills for me. Once you learn some things and you decide, well, this is for me, maybe I'll, I'll dabble into this, whether you do it like I did. I worked clinically um, for many, many years, cut down as I went along, and then the LNC business for me has always been a side business. Um, but I think once you have a couple of clients and you, whatever way you've done it, whether you've subcontracted, you've got some feedback there, you now have built up a few different report styles. You have your fee schedule neat and ready to go. You have a polished CV that you can kind of have. I keep my CV and my fee schedule in a folder right on my desktop because a lot of times I'll get an email. Um, would you be interested in looking at this case? Is this something that you could be looking at? And I have to click and quickly uh, hit reply and send that right over. So I always, I keep my, my work essential things right there at the ready. Um, I think that to be successful um, in your working with your attorney clients, I think you have to be a good listener. And for me, I kind of look at it like, because um, I come from perianesthesia area, I, I think of them as like talking with the surgeon. You know, attorneys want to get their ideas out. They like to talk. They like to explain what the case is about. They like to talk first. I think being a good listener is essential because if you do not let them do that and vent and, and kind of piggyback onto what they're saying, add value to what they're saying. They won't call you again and you won't be able to work with them again because they feel like they can't talk to you and you're not listening to what they're saying. Even, even though a lot of times what they're saying really is not relevant to, to the case or maybe even what they need from the case, I find that's very helpful because I found that in the beginning, I, I felt like as soon as I answered the phone, 
they just would, would, would go off and just be talking and talk so zealous in, in talking so much. Um, I think you need to be responsive. Um, I once told this to somebody at a conference that I had, I had got a few cases and I um, would take a cell phone to work, but I work at PACU. So I would get a, an email or I would get an inquiry about a case and I would go home and call back uh, maybe the next day. And I did have an occasion that I um, called the firm and they told me they had found somebody else. So after that, I uh, put my, my messages and I would find, I made time. I made time to go in the back room. I made time at lunch. Even if it was to say, I'm interested in this case, I'll call you tomorrow. You have to be very responsive. And that doesn't mean the next day. It means the next hour or the next two. Um, flexibility, I think, is key. Over the years, I've learned to be more flexible than I was at the beginning. Not every attorney is going to want to abide by your fee schedule. Some attorneys need to, to, to have some negotiation in the amount of work they want done and for what they want done. Um, being able to add on a few things in a phone conversation, not charge for them. It just at the end, when you wrap up what you've done, you say, gee, I, I, I provided a lot of value to that client. You have to be confident and be accurate. They're really relying on what you're saying when you're reading those medical records. Uh, make sure of what you're, what you're saying and what you're talking about is in your wheelhouse or you've done adequate research. And again, that's where the networking come in. Sometimes if you know somebody um, in a different field from you or somebody that's clinically working and you're not, pick up the phone and make a phone call. Just verify what you're saying before you say it to the attorney. Um, competence, that's a big one. You have to be able to meet deadlines. It's no good if they needed the report for a certain date and you didn't produce it for two weeks later. That's so good to them and that, that's something they're going to remember. Um, you have to be able to do a really good case analysis, which runs, I would file that into competence uh, because those things are what they're going to tell to other people when they spread word of mouth, those of which they're going to remember about you. And when you uh, stay in business, if you want to be in it for the long term, you have to have a fair amount of resilience. Um, that's a big, big one, I think, because when you're working um, clinically or if you have a paycheck every week, you're used to that. There's no ebbs and flows to that kind of practice of working. And you need to be able to hear a lot of rejection. You'll be responding to a lot of um, posts for, for a nurse to review things, uh, posts on um, networking sites where they're looking for subcontractors or they're looking, and a lot of other people are answering them as well. So you have to sort of be able not to take that too personally and move on, uh, move on from uh, a comment an attorney might've made, uh, some feedback, things of that nature. Yeah. That is a great list, Jane. I'm thinking about everything that you just said, and it resonates so much with what I saw as factors that led to success when I was supplying expert witnesses for my company, my first company before I sold it. 
I can think of many instances where I contacted expert witnesses about a potential case, and I was the one making that phone call on behalf of my client. Right. And a day, two days, three days later, somebody would respond, and I would say, I'm sorry, but I needed a response from you way before this, if you were interested, because I found somebody else. I would go down through my list, not available, left a message, next person, next person. Yeah. So you, you do have to respond quickly. And, and to be very clear, also a point that you made reminded me of when I very first started my company and I hired a woman I knew well to write an exam for me. And there was a deadline. I was hired by this company to provide a whole series of exams on different specialty areas. And my colleague was getting close to the deadline and hadn't given me anything. And I said to her, you know, I need to have this on this date. Otherwise I can't pay you. And she said, you mean, even though I've done the work, if I don't meet the deadline, I don't get paid? I said, yes, that's right. Your work is not any good to me if it comes in too late. It's the same with attorneys. If you put them at risk for a medical or you put them at risk for a legal malpractice case because they didn't produce an expert report by the deadline, then they're in trouble and the expert's in trouble. Yeah. I haven't really had a situation like that personally, but I've heard a lot of stories about that. And, and going back to some of the, how I came about other than my own experience, um, I tend to see a lot of reports because I see all the opposing expert reports. I see, sometimes I even see reports from uh, the, my own side of the case Sometimes they've called other people before me or somehow it gets mixed in. Sometimes they don't even know that I have it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But And there's a lot of bad ones out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them, I think, overwhelmingly um, have a lot of medical um, verbiage, verbiage in them. And I think, what did the attorney possibly get out of this? Because it's so sophisticated mm -hmm. and it doesn't really boil every anything down to what actually happened in the case or what that person's opinion is some of them don't even have have an opinion on it so i think it's really important to work with somebody else in the field maybe that you want to be in or and and find out a good template for a report or at least the bullets of what should be in your report when you write it so you, after you finish, you can see, gee, did I, are all my, the facets of that report there. Mm -hmm. I still kept, I still have my first, the first report I ever wrote. And it's funny, I'll tell you this, this is a little funny story, but in one part of it towards the end, I wrote such and such. It was a, it was a case of this guy who had a retroperitoneal bleed that went undetected. So I wrote something to the effect it's clear that so-and-so had an um, undetected bleed, but the question here is why? <laughs> Which is why the attorney called me up. He said, well, that's what I was hoping you would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. I, thought was, I thought it was brilliant. 
so poignant. <laughs> True. Yeah. You know, let's talk about the learning curve because that's a great example of something that you learn from experiences, how you frame <laughs> that report. What was the biggest thing that you had to learn when you became an LNC? Um, probably, a sp- well, certainly my computer skills. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, I had a, uh, I think I had a laptop. Now I have dual monitors. I had nothing. I had no fax machine. I didn't have any of the equipment, although we had a, a home fax machine. I think putting together, I spent about two or three years of looking for staples. I mean, didn't have the equi- equipment readily at the hand, and, and I didn't know I needed it until I needed it. Three, three hole punchers and, and things like that that are probably maybe even antiquated now because everything's <laughs> electronic. So things move, but I think that was a big, um, that was a learning curve. And I think the entrepreneurial aspect was a big learning curve for me. Putting myself out there um, when I would go to networking events, because I wasn't used to that at all. And when you don't know, because um, you're trying to break into an industry, it's intimidating. Mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate to meet a few key people locally that 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 have been doing it for quite a while and were very very nice to me. And we were in a chapter, so I felt a little bit easier with that. But I think definitely the business skills, um, the networking, and um, were probably my my biggest my biggest learning curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do people ever come up to you and say, oh, you're a legal nurse consultant. You must have whatever and cite some type of a myth, like what are the, some of the misperceptions that you encounter? Um, I think one of the biggest ones is that I see is that a legal nurse consultant, to be a legal nurse consultant, if you're a registered nurse, you don't need any training. That because you're a registered nurse, which is what attorneys are looking for, that you would just be a shoe in. You can maybe um, read a book on it. You can, you know, even the, this weekend class that I took really was a basic. This is what it, this this entails. Um, this is kind of how you go about doing these things, but did not provide the actual how-to day-to-day. But when you think about it, you know, I have um, my certification in peri-anesthesia nursing. I had to work for a while. I was working in that field when I got that certification. There's nowhere really even in clinical nursing that you can just, if I wanted to tomorrow go to a dialysis unit, I would need some orientation. I would need to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing. I think there's a lot of nurses I work with in the hospital say, oh, oh, can I, um, can I write a a report for you? Can I review one of your records and I'll do it too. And I also know that they think um, legal nurse consultants make a lot of money, an exorbitant amount of money and they make it quickly. And I, I, you know, I think that's a big myth that 
it takes a while. It takes a long while to build. Even if you're behind the scenes, even if you work, you know, in a law firm or if you're an independent or if you're doing medical set care set-asides or whatever type of field you want to go into, you, you're going to have to build it up in, in a way that you don't when you take a position someplace. You just, you, you get your paycheck and you have your, or your, your in-services and you're good to go. This, this is a lot more difficult and takes a lot more persistence and perseverance to keep it going, especially when you don't have any clients. It's, it's challenging if you don't have any clients to, to act like you have a, a business, which is what I did. I would, I would be doing things, build, working on it, even without any clients at all. I think another myth too is uh, for new, new, new nurses in the field is I think some legal nurses who haven't been doing it think that attorneys know what's in the medical record and that they understand the medical issues in their cases. And more often than not, they do not. And it's not because they're not intelligent. It's just because they're attorneys. They don't have any medical background. Mm -hmm. So I think um, to keep that focus on why is this attorney calling me? What is my relationship to this person? And then you realize that you that you're keeping it on the medical issues of the case. Because as you get to learn and have more experience, um, you you get to know the legal side a lot. So you, your brain starts to go to, to legal um, strategies, but that's not really what they need you for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm or to infuse their legal strategies with the medical framework so they're making the decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Jane, we've covered a lot of territory and I could go on and talk to you for another hour, but I won't. How can our listener find out more about you and the services that you offer? Well, um, they could go to my website, which is um, Jane Shufro, L-N c.com and my phone number is on there i'm also listed under alnc and the directory there as well um and that's pretty much the best way to do it email phone call if anybody has a question don't hesitate uh, to call me i i really enjoy talking and and speaking to anybody who has any interest in the field and i'm more than willing to help anybody get a um a leg up on it. If there's anything that they feel resonates with them, uh, that they could learn more from, um, give me a shout. And if they have a case that requires an expert witness, what would be the area of expertise that would most firmly land with your experience? Most of my cases are surgical so they, it could be things that happened in the OR or PACU. I also do um, pain clinic and pain management cases. So I have a lot of cases that are handled from outpatient facilities uh, in pain management places like epidural lines and things like that. Anesthesia, sedation, monitoring, all, all of that kind of thing. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jane. And your Contact information again, the name of your website? Jane Shufro, lnc.com.
Okay. And we're spelling Shufro as S-H-U-F-R-O. Right. That's correct. Perfect. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you to you, you uh, listener who has helped by listening to Legal Nurse Podcast. We have gotten over 114,000 downloads since we started the show in September of 2016. We are now in the 400s in terms of our episodes and continue to bring you the insights of legal nurse consultants and other experts to help build and grow your LNC practice. Be sure to click on down to the next show and enjoy Legal Nurse Podcast. I'm Pat Iyer, and you've been hearing Jane Shufro. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Legal Nurse Podcast. Jane Shufro, who is a post-anesthesia care unit nurse, expert witness, and LNC for going on 11 years. We have just finished our podcast. Jane, what were some of the key points that we covered during your show? Well, Pat, I talked a little bit about how I got started as a legal nurse consultant, like you said, about 11 years ago. Um, I also talk about some key skills. A starting out legal nurse consultant um, is essential to have, and some of the myths that or revolve around the um, business of legal nurse consulting in general. And I know we covered a lot of territory. Jane gave me a brief answer, but shared in her podcast, lots of bullet points, lots of key takeaway tips, including what are the skills that she sees as being critical for legal nurse consulting? Not every nurse is cut out to do this kind of work. So be sure to catch Jane's podcast, Jane Shufro's podcast, in which she talks about some of the foundational skills and activities necessary to be a successful legal nurse consultant. I'm Pat Iyer and catch Jane Shufro's podcast. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Legal Nurse Podcast. I've just finished interviewing Samantha Parkhurst, who entered this field of legal nurse consulting about five years ago and has quite an interesting story to share about how she got started and how she has been developing her business. Samantha, what were some of the key points that we covered in your podcast? Good morning, Pat. Um, some of the things that uh, we are covering is how I got started as a legal nurse consultant and the opportunities that I was given. Um, power of networking, which is very, very uh, important for trying to start your business and create a um, network of people that you can talk to and keep relationships on a business level. Knowing your limitations as a legal nurse consultant, you want to make sure that you don't take on things that you might not understand. Knowing that your education and training as a nurse in one field is important um, for your legal nurse consulting business, but you need to make sure also that it's appropriate for that. So you don't ever want to dive into anything that is um, an area that you don't know. You can't say you're an expert in anything if you've never done the work. And then also the, the important points of subcontracting. All right. 
We covered a lot in Samantha's podcast. Be sure to catch her show, Samantha Parkhurst, a legal nurse consultant who will inspire you and give you a chance to look at how you view marketing and outreach in order to bring in work. Be sure to check out her show on Legal Nurse Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at lncacademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.